Thanks for listening to another leadership podcast from Pastor Jurgen and the team here at C3 San Diego. To find out more about our church, go to c3sandiego.com. All right, I want you to come with me to, uh, to the book of Acts, to the book of Acts, to the book of, the book of Action, the book of Action, chapter 6. The book of Action, chapter 6, verse 1. Yell out when you're there. The book of Acts. In fact, the original, trans- well, the original title is the book of the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. Did you know that? The Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. So it says this. It says, now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying. I want you just to remember that word, Multiplying. Now, I want you to notice there's an order here when the number of the disciples was multiplying. It doesn't say when the number of salvations was multiplying. It doesn't say the number of outreach success. It doesn't even say the number of visitors, the number of attendants. It says the number of disciples. It opens with when the number of disciples was multiplying. There arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. Complain, complain, complain. Always. By the Hellenists because the Hellenists were, were the, the Greek converts. So there, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews because remember all these boys were Jewish boys that are now Christians. And so there, there arose a complaint by the, the, the Greek people that got saved, the, the Gentile people who had gotten saved. Because they were being neglected, the widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So it, look, it looks like there's a little bit of racism going on here. It looks like there's some discrimination going on here. How, how come the Hebrew people, widows are getting all their food and yet you're looking up, overlooking out? And so there's tension. Then the 12 summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith. Someone say faith. Faith. Full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit and Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Verse 7, then the word of God spread and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. I love this and I want to just kind of make this our, our kind of... Uh, text this morning, but the first thing I wanted to say is that leadership is always problem solving. In fact, leadership is never problem solving. God gives you and I a compliment by allowing us to face problems. Now, when it comes, we feel very unappreciated. When when a problem comes our way, we feel like, God, why didn't you fix this before it landed on my door? But actually, God is paying you the highest compliment by allowing a problem to come to you because the problem isn't sent to you to to undo you. The problem is sent to you to strengthen you. Because the only way you can strengthen a muscle is to exercise it. The only way you can strengthen wisdom is by... The, the need to have it applied. 
And so you will find that God will allow problems, God will allow issues, God will allow tension, God will allow crises, God will allow things to come to you. In fact, I, I would be honest with you, I would say that probably 95% of what I do is problem solving. Is problem solving. Leadership is problem solving. So it's interesting that they have a problem and now... The, the, the response in the problem is let us choose seven men f- of good reputation, good reputation, background check, good reputation. A man is valued not by what he says about himself because the Bible says every man will proclaim his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? The Bible says a man is valued by what others say of him. You know, just be careful because a lot of people, well, you know, at my last church, I was, <laughs> I was a prophet. I was a bishop. I've had that one a few times. I was trying to be as delicate as I could on there, but the bishop, the apostle, and the prophet, and, but, but you're the only person who's touting your own. Fr- the Bible says, let another man praise you and not your own tongue. Some people, they, they join the church and I was this over here and I was that over there and they immediately want to be exalted or promoted into a position. But it takes a while for other people to talk good about you. That's why you've got to serve on a team so that other people can begin to sing your praise. When David killed Goliath, he didn't walk around going, hey, I'm not sure if you know who I am, but right here I'm a kind of a big deal. I've got to study. The rich smell of leather and mahogany. Many leather-bound books. You know, he didn't go around talking about himself. The Bible says it was the maidens that came out. It was the maidens that came out singing, Saul has slain his thousands, David his tens of thousands. But, but David was just the one, hey, if no one else will take care of this problem, I'll fix it. He just laid down his life. He just went into the valley. He just did what no one else wanted to do. Let, let your reputation always precede you by letting other people be your praise, by letting other people comment. It's not that we do things to be seen. Hey, I'm over here sweeping the toilets again. Not sure if anyone's noticing. I'm in the toilet again sweeping the floor. <laughs> you know, it's a burden, but Jesus carried a cross. Mine just happens to be a mop. You know, it's like... So we don't do it to be seen. It's very important that we, that we bear fruit. Someone say amen. It's not, nothing to do with what I want to talk about, but anyway, let's just, it's all good. It's all good. So, so I love this because, you know, it's, it's problem solving. So they choose Stephen, who, who's a man of good reputation. The Bible says he's full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. They said choose seven men who are good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. It's interesting because I see, I see the Holy Spirit is in both, both equations there. But then you see faith and you see wisdom. See faith and you see wisdom. Both faith and wisdom come from the Word of God. Faith, whenever there's a problem, you need the Holy Ghost. You need faith and you need wisdom. The balance to wisdom is not foolishness. And the balance to faith is not fear. 
the balance of faith is wisdom and the balance of wisdom is faith well you know my daughter fell out of a tree and she broke her leg I'm just gonna believe in faith that she's gonna be healed well wisdom says absolutely believe but take her to the freaking doctor get her to the hospital and let, let, let them at least set the leg we walk in wisdom and we walk in faith we walk in wisdom we walk in faith so, so here they see a problem and problems never go away. Problems are, are God's promotional tool. Problems are God's compliment to you that you can handle this. I, I believe in you. So, so sometimes we feel overwhelmed by our problems, but it's just God saying, hey, I want you to know that I see bigger in you. I see that you're ready for this thing. I, I, I see this thing is going to be, you know, what everyone else saw was a massive problem called Goliath was actually God using as a promotional tool to take David from a sheep carer to a kingdom leader. It was the problem solving. And so David walked in with faith, walked in under the anointing, had just been anointed by Samuel and was filled with the Holy Spirit. And that, that's why we are a Holy Ghost church. We're a Holy Ghost church. The Bible talks about rightly dividing the Word of God, which means you can wrongly divide the Word of God. Now, you may say, well, I don't, I don't wrongly divide the Word of God because I went to such and such seminary. Oh, I've sat under the greatest ministries and the greatest teaching. I've got to tell you, if your trust, if your faith is in man's ability to dissect the Word of God, you're in, in a lot of hot water. The Holy Ghost wrote the Scriptures. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that the Scriptures are God-breathed. He wrote them, and He is the greatest one to sit with to interpret them. The Holy Ghost reveals all truth. And so we walk in the Spirit. The Spirit will help you rightly divide the Word of God, help you rightly apply the Word of God. But even more than that, what I found is that, that in the Word of God, when the Word of the Lord comes, faith comes. When the Word of the Lord comes, wisdom comes. That's why we need to also be a word church. So we're not, just a, we're not just a Holy Ghost church. We can pull people out and pray for them and tumors can disappear. They can get slain in the spirit. They can be delivered. Demons can come out of them and we can celebrate that we're a Holy Ghost church. Come to our church. We're the power of God church. We can have flags and banners and, you know, spirit dancing and boo the chauffeur and we're a Holy Ghost church but at the end of the day we get we get people cleaned out but we don't fill them up with faith and wisdom because we've also got to be a word church we have to be we have to teach people how, how to go to the word how to build their lives on the word of God because from the word will come faith Romans 10 17 faith cometh by hearing hearing by the word of God wisdom is the presence of the word. Foolishness is the absence of the word of God. Whenever I've made a dumb decision, the word of God was not present. Whenever I made a brilliant decision, it was inspired by the word. Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word endureth forever. So we build our lives on the word of God. We build our lives on it is written. We build our lives on man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Whatever you're facing, whatever situation you're going through, we go to the Word of God. So all of that is kind of introduction to get to this point. The other day, and I want you to write this down because I know it didn't come from me. The other day, uh, it was like, I don't know, 
midnight or something. I was somewhere. I was on the front, might have been on the front row in, uh, in church on Sunday. And I felt the Holy Ghost say this. He said, the advancement of the vision. I want you to write it down. The advancement of the vision. The advancement of the vision is determined by the speed of reproduction. The advancement of the vision is determined by the speed of reproduction. I had this, this overwhelming moment where God reminded me of when I was at, uh, with Pastor Luke Barnett and Pastor John and my son Ash at the Dream City Conference in Arizona. And they, they, they went up to, they took everyone up to Prayer Mountain. We had our dream cards and we wrote our dreams on there. And God was kind of nailing me for trying to make things easy for him, you know, lower the bar so he could hop over, you know, you know, trying to help the ancient of days just in case he's got cramps or arthritis has set in. And he's like, dude, I ain't got no arthritis and I never age. I live outside of time. I'm as young today as I was a billion years ago. So, you know, I'm like, oh, sugar. And uh, why, why am I lowering the bar? And so I really felt God. So I wrote down stuff that I thought was pretty audacious. But since I wrote that down, it's amazing the faith I have on the inside of me for, for the things I wrote down. I just have this deposit of faith. And so I began to look and I began to kind of look forward. And I began to see, you know, the, the tens of thousands of people who are being saved, who are being discipled. I began to see a city. Uh, you know, really being influenced. And then I became unbelievably aware of the need for facilities. The need, the need to, to be able to, how do, we, how do we house what God wants to do? And then as I, saw, as I saw the buildings, as I saw, you know, all these locations all around the city, I began to then be overwhelmed by the fact that, my God, what's the quality of leadership in those buildings? Because it's one thing to have a building, but what's the quality of the worship? What's the quality of the praise? What's the quality of the pastoral care? What's the quality of the discipleship? If, if I was to put a thermometer in the leader's mouth and over those churches, would, would the DNA there be the same as the DNA here? Or does it, or does it dilute with, with every new plan? Does it get weaker and weaker the further out we go? And I began to be overwhelmed. Then the word of the Lord came to me and he says, the advancement of the vision is determined by the speed of reproduction. He said, Jürgen, this is what I've, uh, I've set over the city of San Diego, extraordinary influence. He says, but it's your ability or inability to multiply disciples. So can I just tell you, if you think that your job description, what do you do? It's, well, you know, my job is I do admin. My job is I'm a graphic designer. My job is, that, that is true, but that is secondary. Your primary job is Matthew 28, 18 to 20, to go into all the world and make disciples. Disciple is simply just uh, another copy of you, but with their skin on with their personality traits, with their hair color, with their eye color, with their flavors, with their passions, with, with their... With, all of us are responsible for literally multiplying so that somebody else can do your job. Somebody else can do tomorrow what you're doing today. Otherwise, what happens is the vision, and we've been there many times, where the vision is now slowed down to the pace of you if the vision has to slow down to the pace of you your leadership 
Well, you know, I didn't get time to do that promo. I didn't get time to, I didn't get time to, well, I'm not sure how I'm going to get to. The, the vision is now slowed down to the pace of you. The Bible says here when the disciples began to multiply. When disciples began to multiply. We are a disciple-making church. We are a disciple-making church. Discipleship to passionately, uh, passionately pursue Christ and to purposely produce Christ followers. That's what a disciple looks like. Someone who's passionately pursuing Christ, all that he's got for them, all that he's called them to be, all that he's called them to do. And then someone who purposely, someone who intentionally produces Christ followers. Connect groups, leadership meetings, development. Whatever God has taught you, Jesus says, teach them. Go into all the world, make disciples. How do we do that? Teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. Well, you know, I haven't arrived yet. Jesus didn't say, hey, now that you guys have arrived, now that you guys are the big honchos, he says, teach them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. You'll find that you teach as you're being taught. You lead as you're being led. You serve as you're being discipleship so so let me let me just kind of go a little bit further so, so as we disciple well we understand that there's a there's a few things that are kind of intrinsic to the dna of our church and so discipleship is about multiplying it says in in uh, genesis chapter 6 very scary verse because it's amazing acts 6 says when the disciples began to multiply but genesis 6 opens up almost identically it says when men began to multiply on the earth the Lord looked and saw that the intent of their heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was grieved in his heart and regretted that he made man. So, so by, by Genesis chapter 6, man had figured out how to multiply, but they were multiplying with a, with a divergent vision. They were multiplying with an agenda an ambition and a dream that was corrupt, it was polluted, it was perverted, and it was against God. And so God had to wipe out the world with a flood. And so what God is looking for is multiplication, but multiplication for people that have his heart. We have one agenda, and that's to exalt the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. So our, our, our vision, our purpose all the time is to exalt Jesus. He is the name that is above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. It's at the name of Jesus. There is no greater name that God has given under heaven by which men can be saved but the name of Jesus. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So, man, we want to be a Jesus-lifting church. We want to be a Jesus-singing church. There was a season in the 90s where it seemed like the cool thing to do for whatever reason was to sing cryptic songs. And, I'm, and I remember trying to worship thinking, am I singing this to my girlfriend or is this to Jesus? Because I couldn't tell because we kind of, you know, we, well, we're trying to cross over. We're trying to reach an un unchurched generation. So why would you leave the most powerful name in the universe? But when we leave the Word of God, it's amazing what we think is wise that is actually foolish. 
When we forsake the word of God, it's amazing the stuff that we think is so clever. Oh, did you see that? See how we left Jesus out? Yeah, yeah, because we're trying to reach people. They'll have great music on their way to hell. They'll still burn for eternity, but at least they got great music, and we'll sell some records. Our name will be in lights, and they've got music all the way to a lost eternity. Thank God. Thank God for Hillsong, if I was honest with you. They've been un unswerving, unwavering, and you need to understand the pressure that they were under many, many times with every new deal, you know, every new dis distributor wanting to, to take their, their music global, all said to them, you just need to tone down the Jesus stuff. You just need to tone down. You just need to tone down. You just need to tone down. And every single time they said, well, you can, you can take your contract and, and burn it. We ain't toning down. This is who we are. This is what we're called. So I love how Jesus is central. Jesus is front. Jesus is all the way through. It has to be about Jesus. He is the Savior. That's why it's an anti-Christ spirit. It's not an anti-church spirit. It's not an anti-God spirit. It's an anti-Christ spirit that we're up against. And so we are bold. We, we are confident. We are brash. And uh, we, we are unashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God. Come on, somebody, unto salvation. So we, we, we are all about Jesus. Someone say amen. So we're fresh. We're real. We're powerful. But at the same time, if you were to say, hey, well, you know, fresh, real, powerful, what, 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 is, what is the DNA? What, what's, the, what's the vibe? If I was to, to go to a C3 church or if, if you were to, to, to take new ground and start new campuses, what, what would be the philosophy? I would tell you it's very simple. Uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. That's why I keep saying, hey, we want to be the friendliest church in San Diego. We love people. We love them enough to receive them as they are, but then we don't wussify love. We love them enough to not leave them as they were. If I came into the church a fornicator, which I, which I did, and then 10 years later, well, you know, why are you judging me? Why are you always judge me? Just because I believe in science. <laughs> Tonight we go up again. You know, uh, <laughs> if I was to say, well, hang on, I thought you guys loved me. Absolutely, the church love receives me as I am, but love doesn't finish there. Love also loves me enough to tell me that I need to get my life right with Christ. I need to get these things right because my life is in transgression with the Scriptures. I didn't write the Scriptures, so I don't have the luxury. I don't have the permission or the authority to change the Scriptures according to different people's bents and bias and what people say is popularity or whatever. My job is to preach the Bible. Now, if I'm praised, that is awesome. But if I'm persecuted, it is irrelevant because I'm called to preach the Word. And if I'm persecuted down here, I'll be rewarded up there. If I'm praised down here, I already receive my reward. But we've made a decision that discipleship requires truth-telling. But we tell the truth in love. We tell the truth in love. And so faith, hope, and love. And so I want to talk a little bit about, about you know, faith and about wisdom because those things come from the Word of God. And the greatest thing that you and I can build our lives on is the Word of God. The greatest diet you can have is a daily diet of the Word of God. The greatest thing you can feed on is the Word of God. The greatest thing you can run to is the Word of God. 
if you read through the book of Acts, you begin to find that there's one kind of real prominent name that comes up and it's Peter. Peter was the guy, you know, foot and mouth disease, you know, far be it from you, Lord, this will never happen. Jesus has to say, get behind me, Satan. Oh, man, he called me the dark Lord of the underworld, you know. And all the other disciples are laughing, thinking that's here, game over. And then, you know, and then so he's trying to prove he's macho. And he says, Lord, even if all these other plebs forsake you, I'm not going to, I'm the rock. Peter the rock, remember, you called me the rock. You know, and she's like, oh, Simon. Before the rooster crows twice, you'll have already denied me three times. What? You know, and then he denies him. And then, and he's like, oh, man. And, and as he goes fishing, he's like, man, I might as well go back to fishing. And fishing will still have me. And then Jesus, you know, is, have you, children, have you got any fish? We've got nothing. Throw it on the other side. Oh, my gosh, it's the Lord. And he puts on his, his outer garment and plunges into the water. You don't get dressed to go swimming. You undress to go swimming. But he get dressed because he thought, I'm going to prove to Jesus I can still, I still got it. I, can walk, I walked on water once. I'm going to do it again just to show him. Still got it. And he just plunges. Darn it. Has to swim in all wet. And Jesus says, Simon, Peter, come here. Do you love me? It's not about whether you still got it. It's not about how anointed or how gifted or. Peter, walkingwaterministries.org. He said, I'm not interested in that. He says, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Tend my sheep. Do you love me? Lord, you know all things. He was grieved. He says, feed my lambs. Lambs are little ones. Don't just look at this generation, the emerging generation. But Simon Peter begins to stand up. Simon Peter in Acts chapter 3, he's the guy standing up. Acts chapter 2, he's the guy standing up. Simon Peter, Simon Peter. The, the transition for Simon Peter, it was in, in Luke chapter 5, verse 4. Jesus has been preaching in his boat that he let Jesus use for free. It's kind of a message in that. Peter let Jesus use his vessel, his occupation, his trade, his possessions, all that he had, his livelihood, his livelihood. If, well, I'll give Jesus my heart, just not my livelihood. <laughs> Hands off my wallet, Lord. You know, if, if, if you're going to find he has to keep bypassing you till. And finally, Jesus says, launch out into the deep. Because you ne you'll never lose giving to God. He says, launch out into the deep. Let down your nets for a catch. Simon says, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will. You know the story. The next time, Jesus in the, Simon's in the boat again with Jesus. And uh, this time they're, they're crossing the Sea of Galilee. And a great windstorm arose. So waves bit in, into the boat. So the boat was beginning to sink. And they're freaking out because they can't bail the water out quicker than it's coming in. Because the wind and the waves, the waves are coming over the And so they think at this ratio, we're going to sink. And there's Jesus, who's an extra pair of hands, who can help with the bailing of the water, asleep. This is not the time to... So they wake him. Don't you care that we're perishing here? Serenity now! And, and so, so Jesus arises and doesn't pick up a pail. Instead, he stands on the bow and speaks to the wind and speaks to the waves and says, Peace, be still. Shh. 
the disciples are like, oh. <laughs> who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? It was Jesus just spoke a word in the situation. Fast forward a few more chapters. Jesus is, you know, feeds the 5,000, goes up onto the mountain, dismisses the disciples. They're going back across the sea. The wind is contrary. And Jesus comes walking to them. 11 disciples are freaking out because they've never seen a human being walk on water. So there's got to be a ghost. It's a ghost. And Jesus said, it's not a ghost. It is I. And Simon says, if it is you, command me to come. The reason Simon said that is because I saw the word when I knew there was no fish. When we fished all night and threw the net in the dark where the fish couldn't see it. When I threw the net in the daytime, the fish could see the net coming over and could scamper. And yet there was a supernatural catch. When we were facing jeopardy, when we were facing peril, when we were facing the wind and the waves, you sent your word and the wind and the waves. If it is you, send your word to me and bring me up out of this boat. The word will cause me to walk on water. The word. And so Jesus says, come. One word. And Simon gets out and begins to walk on water. That's why Jesus chose Peter to be the leader of the church. He didn't choose John. He didn't choose James. Obviously, he couldn't choose Judas. He'd hung himself. But, you know, he didn't choose Thomas, the doubter. He chose Peter. Why? Because Peter had learned how to build his life on the word of God. So it was Peter that was not only full of the Holy Ghost, Acts chapter 2, but he was full of faith and he was full of wisdom. He was full of faith. He was full of wisdom. Where do you run when crisis comes? Where do you go when crisis comes? As, as, as the church advances, as God continues to bless, the, the, there's not going to be less problems. I'm not trying to prophesy anything negative, but I've got to tell you, there's nothing external that, that vexes me when I've got the Word of God in me. There's nothing that catches God by surprise. There's nothing that, that puts Him off. There's nothing that, that terrifies Him. If there's anxiety in you, it's because you are displaced from God. Because God is never anxious. Bible says, be anxious for nothing. But in all things, through prayer and supplications, make your requests known to God. Oh, ye of little faith. Why do you worry? Who of you by worrying can add a single cubit to his height? Don't worry. Just build your life on his word. Build your life on his word. Build your life on his word. When you build your life on his word, assurance comes. David comes back from raiding and he sees his house burnt to the ground. He sees his men's houses burnt to the ground. And they've captured the wives and they've captured the children. So he's lost his home, he's lost his marriage, and he's lost his kids. And the Bible says his men, his own men, who have identity and purpose and they, they found shelter and refuge and mission and prosperity and blessing being connected to David. But now this was too much. And so they got in a holy huddle and said, man, let's just stone him. Let's kill David. So he's under incredible pressure. But I love David because the first thing he does is the Bible says he goes and he puts on a linen ephod. He goes on and puts on the garment of a priest because he dressed himself he dressed himself because he knew with, with men wanting to kill him, in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of house just smoldering, his wives and children gone, he needs to hear from God. And so he knows, he knows he's, got to, he's got to dress 
to get in the presence. And so he puts on the linen ephod and he goes and inquires of the Lord. And then the word of the Lord comes to him and says, David, arise and pursue, for you will surely recover all that is lost. He comes back to his men with leadership. He comes back to his men with strength. And he says, God has spoken to me. We're going to cross the river and we're going to take after them because God has said we're going to uh, recover all. We will surely overtake them. And so the men rose up, but some of the men were so weary from the battle, man, that they, they didn't have the strength. And so David said, listen, why don't you guys stay behind with the supplies? The rest of us will cross over. And they crossed over. They caught them. And the Bible says there wasn't one thing missing. In fact, God gave them double for their trouble because they came back not just with their possessions, but they took plunder from the enemy, from the Amalekites who took their stuff. They, they took all their stuff as well and slaughtered the Amalekites and brought back their wives and brought back their children. So what began as mourning and weeping in the morning ended up with rejoicing and singing in the evening. And what was interesting was when they came back, the team said, hey, these, 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 these scallywags that didn't cross over, they ain't getting any of our spoil. We're not sharing. Uh, they didn't do any fighting. They just stayed back here with the supplies. And David said, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. He says, they have equal portion. And the Bible says, and it's a statute to this day that those who stay behind have equal portion with those who go out. So I'm a, I'm a pastor that has been able to hone my gift and develop my skill sets because when we had four children, it was this beautiful young lady that began to recognize, put her ego, put her ministry, put her calling aside and recognize right now the greatest thing I can do is lay down my life for my husband and take care of the home, take care of the kids. Now, in, in the, the, the age and the generation that we live in with the, you know, the International Women's March, Day Without a Woman, all that kind of stuff, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a fighting, there's a fighting for something that is out of balance. This, this woman is an extraordinary woman because in the beginning, God made them male and female. You find there are six days of creation. Each one finishes, finishes with, and the Lord saw that it was good. And the Lord saw that it was until the sixth day. On the sixth day when he made man, when he made you and I, male and female, he created them. That's when God said, behold, it was very good. It was very good. Our, our, our nation has been so jacked up by eight years of antichrist leadership in the White House that it has become emboldened, so emboldened that will, it will even attack gender, male and female. It'll go right back to the first thing that God said was very good. And let me tell you, when you attack that, it doesn't go good for you. All it does is it brings confusion. All it does is it brings brokenness. All that it does is it brings calamity. Gender confusion, gender change. I'm going to change from this gender to that gender. You know, you, you never, you actually never make the transition. Do you realize? You'll never fully, because I was born XY. My body is continually producing testosterone. If I was born XX, female, my body is continually producing estrogen. Therefore, I have to mutilate, I have to cut. 
and I have to inject for the rest of my life. I have to take synthetic to override. To, so I will never, I will never be here and I will never be there. And Satan loves to do this because confusion always brings destruction. Better to cast out a spirit of confusion than to mutilate and have to medicate for the rest of your life knowing that you'll never, wouldn't it be easy just to get that spirit out? But I've got to tell you that I am today and I've got to finish now. It is so much better. It is, it is so amazing to see uh, our ladies championed in this church. We, we understand that there absolutely there's equality. But the Bible also speaks about the fact that the, the, the man has more physical strength than the woman. So how does he use that physical strength? Well, he could dominate over her. But the Bible says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and laid down his life for her. Using the word of God, not as a sword. He says, but washing her in the water of the word of God. Now, I use the word of God as a sword against the enemy. I use it to take down the enemy. But when it comes to, to the word and my spouse, the, the word is no longer a sword. I have to put it in its sheath. And then now I have to take the other side of the coin, the other side of the word, which is the water of the word of God to wash away. Because remember when, when Adam and Eve sinned, God said to her, basically, insecurity. He says, your desire will be for your husband that he should rule over you. Because I've got to bring order. Your desire will be for your husband. You, you, you'll be longing for his affirmation, longing for his affection, longing for his approval. You, you'll be, and so, so my job is to take the word and not beat. My job is to take the word and not my job is to take the word and wash away. Oh, baby, what are you talking about? You're amazing. This is what the word of God says. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. To, to wash away her fears, wash away her anxieties, wash away her inhibitions, wash away. We are a word church. We're a word church. We're a Holy Ghost church. We build our lives on the word. We're full of the Holy Ghost. Come on, if you believe that this morning, give God a shout. Let me just, let me pray for you. I wanted to go there because I thought, man, if I, if I, if I have to hide or mask truth here, where does it go from here? Amen. Amen. We build our lives on the Word of God. If we're praised, that's awesome. If we're persecuted, it doesn't matter. We don't change the Word of God. Let me just tell you this. One thing that I love about our, our church and love about our leaders is our highest priority isn't popularity. Our highest priority. Priority isn't the crowd on a Sunday. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't preach that, the crowd on a Sunday. Whoa, you better compromise that. Hey, put God behind a curtain. Don't let people see God because it might freak people out. Our goal isn't a crowd on a Sunday. Our goal is disciples. Our goal is multiplying disciples. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Father, and I just speak the blessing of heaven. Father, give us a fresh hunger and a fresh appetite for the word of God, for the word of God. Father, I thank you for the Bible, 39, 27, 66 books. Father, just, just put a fresh book on each and every heart. Lay, lay a book on each and every person here that, you know what, this month, this is going to be my book. I'm going to read through this book. And Father, as they open the word, 
and sit and begin to read the word. Father, I thank you that you, the word, are going to sit with them and that you're going to speak to them. You're going to quicken things to them, that they're going to become enriched. They're going to become resourced. They're going to become strengthened, that their faith and their wisdom is going to go to a new level. Father, I thank you. Fill us afresh with the Holy Ghost. Father, fill us afresh with the great power of heaven. Father, let us not be ashamed of what came from heaven to earth, that they spoke in tongues, they spoke in languages they'd never learnt. Father God, how, how do we get to this place where we're ashamed of what heaven brings to earth? How are we going to stand in heaven knowing that, that we rejected or we were afraid of or, or that we dismissed what was so beautiful? Let us not be afraid, but let us be bold in the name of Jesus. Everybody said. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 Church San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com. 